after all that, I, I'm thinking, how can I get up? I just mentioned to the people, how do I get up to even say this? You know what? Let me just make it clear. I'm just a kid who grew up in this church. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, and the first things I told you is... Uh, I'm only here to point you to the Savior. And if you see anything of Jesus Christ in me, it's all his doing completely. Uh, so in 2001, I had the opportunity to go with our church to Papua New Guinea. I had a chance to go and visit uh, Tim and Karen Schlatter, some of our long-term missionaries, with some of you who are in this room together. And that is not a short trip. We went Cleveland, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Sydney, Sydney, Brisbane, Brisbane, Port Moresby, Port Moresby, Ukarumpa. It's a great name of a town. Ukarumpa into the jungle, and then we took a log canoe, this dugout thing, for two hours up the river. To say that the Tabo people live in the middle of nowhere is an understatement. We went into the jungle and these people have no electricity. They have no running water. Uh, they, um, they really have uh, very little. Uh, by the way, that's me in the middle. Okay. <laughs> that joke has worked for 20 years. Okay, so. Uh, you know what they do though together? Every night the table people come together and they worship. They literally, they come together at night and they have church. And so one of the first things that they asked the week we got there was, Mark, would you preach? Now, I had been a young life leader for the while. I, I was used to speaking to teenagers. I wasn't used to speaking to adults. And so kind of took me for a little bit of a loop and I said, well, I guess I'm happy to do that. And as I started thinking and praying about it, God led me to a scripture that was my life verse. And it's the same scripture that I wanna share with us this morning. And it's out of Matthew chapter four, verse 18 through 20, and it's this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw his two brothers, or saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets, and they followed him. My message that evening to the Tabo people was that I love to fish. Some of the guys you saw in that video, we've been fishing every year together for 20, 30 years. And then uh, the Tabo people live by fishing. And so I said, it's interesting, our cultures are so very different, but we each follow a Lord who calls us to go fishing. God calls us to go fishing for people. Now, what's interesting is that I didn't realize that my message was as challenging as it was, because somebody told me afterward, it's interesting that you told us that because we're used to having missionaries come to us. We're not used to being the missionaries. We're not used to going to fish for people. We're used to having other people come to us. Well, that was the challenge that sunk into their minds. And so fast forward a few days later. 
A few days later, we got the news that down the, well, we're supposed to go and visit another village upriver. But the night before, somebody got bitten by a snake and died. Okay, did I say we're in the middle of nowhere? Okay, so there is no hospital, so these things happen. The whole village is in mourning, and so they're not receiving visitors. So we have a whole day that we are just there to rest. And so I get it in my mind that I'm going fishing. Now, mothers, this is going to horrify you, but every little boy in that village has a machete. I'm not kidding. So imagine, you know, you get concerned about your kids playing with sticks and having sword fights. Imagine them with machetes. Okay, so I go up to one of the little boys, and most of the people speak a little broken English, and I say, could you cut me down a bamboo shoot, please? And he gladly, you know, comes over and cuts down a bamboo. I thought bamboo was hollow on the inside. It's not. So I had it in my mind, I'm going to turn this into a fishing rod. So I went to Tim and I said, do you have any kind of wire? He said, well, yeah, I think we've got some. So I fastened this wire, you know, just like a fishing rod. You know, you've got the loops on it. And I went over to one of the women in the village uh, and asked, can I, can I have your fishing line, which is much more like clothesline. And on the end of the line, they use this hook that looks like a bent nail. Now, I had no idea if this was going to work. They gave me a shrimp and, and put a shrimp on the end of this thing. And did I tell you they have no entertainment? So that day, I was the entertainment, okay? <laughs> By the time I got all this stuff together, every child in the village is following me like I am the Pied Piper. And I go down to the river. They have no idea what I'm doing. They don't fish this way. I take this thing, and I, I'm thinking, I don't know if this is even going to work. But the weight, I wanted the weight of the shrimp to be able to carry into the river. My first cast didn't work, but the next one, I'm telling you, it landed smack in the middle of that river. And so I'm pulling it back, and it is like a freight train hit that thing, like nothing I've ever felt before, and thought, what is in this river? <laughs> I mean, you've seen the show River Monsters. This was a river <laughs> monster. And so I bring it, I missed the fish. I wasn't ready. And, and I, I bring it out. The hook that I told you is like a nail was straightened. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Behind me, one of the little boys says a word I've never heard before. And he says, barramundi. I said, what? Well, come to find out, a barramundi is a brackish fish, meaning it lives in the ocean and then it swims up river for seasons of the year. The Tabo people find this to be a delicacy because the, the fish are only there for a short amount of time. And he says, it's a barramundi. All right, I just know the thing's giant and I want it. So they get a shrimp. Like they, now, okay, now everybody's thinking, this is, this is exciting. So they come and they get, I get another shrimp. I toss this thing back and I, almost in the exact same spot and almost right as it hits the water, wham, this time I'm ready. I've got this thing and I'm bringing it up. You know, I, I pull my bamboo pole and I pull the line pull my bamboo pole, pull, and somehow I begin to realize I've got this fish, but I, I'm in big trouble. I can't land the fish. It easily is 20 pounds, okay, or more, and I realize I'm up an embankment 10 feet from where the river is. 
there is no way the weight of that hook or that line is gonna support the fish. I've fished enough to realize there's no way I'm gonna land this thing. But it barely hits my mind that I can do this. Then out of nowhere, Baliwama, that was his name, Baliwama comes in, he goes down the muddy embankment into the river, wrestles this fish, brings it up and onto the bank. I am not kidding you. I learned what it means to really be a, learn, that is a man. <laughs> and I'm not that, like my gosh, wow. <sighs> That fish fed our whole team that night and a family for the next week. Uh, so let's show the picture of the fish. There's the fish, right? So you think that the fish would be Im impressive and my wife looks at that this past week and goes, oh, you used to be so handsome. <laughs> okay. So we're not a culture that typically, and even in our tribe of the church, are not in the habit of looking for signs from God. When I caught this fish, I wasn't looking for a sign either. The Tabo people were. When I caught that fish, they immediately said, you spoke to us about fishing for people, and we didn't have confidence to do that. Then you went out and you fished, and God provided a fish. And they said, if we're industrious, if we're creative, if we put effort into this, what God has shown us is that he will provide the fish. I wanna stand before you today as somebody who was sent as a missionary from this church to go and support our missionaries, to bring a message back from the people to whom I spoke to 20 some years ago. God wants us to fish. God wants us to fish for people. Our church has always been a fishing church. God wants us to fish like we have never fished before. A while ago, our elders got together in 2017 in preparation for the pastoral search and they re-examined the church's mission statement. And here we are with the banners up there, but let's put it up on the screen. And this is essentially what we came up with. Centered on Christ, shaped in community and sent into the world. Now watch this, okay? Let's go to the next slide. Jesus said, come follow me. Be centered on Christ. I will make you. Be shaped in community, fishers of people, sent into the world. My life verse, even before I went on that mission trip, was always Matthew 4.19. And when I saw that this is what our church redefined as its mission, I was convicted and said, there's a good chance that this might be a call. And I believe that this moment of our life together is a reaffirmation of God with my call and our church in its call. A few years back, I had elders together in a room and we all agreed that what does God want us to do? God wants us to make disciples. 
got it. I passed out sheets of paper to all of the elders, and I said, okay, write down a definition of what a disciple is. The pastors down here are laughing. They know this, right? I got nine different definitions that came back on what a disciple is. And we all looked at each other and we said, if the leaders are not clear on what a disciple is, how are the people ever gonna know what it means to be faithful? Let's make it very clear this morning. What does it mean for me to be faithful to follow Jesus Christ as his disciple? I believe he made it very clear right in the invitation. It's this, a disciple is somebody who is following after Jesus Christ, centers their life on him. A disciple is somebody who is being made by Jesus into something beautiful and new, being shaped in community. A disciple is somebody who is fishing for people intentionally, going out into the world, sent by Jesus. This morning, if you wanna know, am I truly a faithful follower of Jesus Christ? Are you centered, shaped, sent? That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's how we're gonna talk about it here at this church. You know, sometimes a pastor comes in and says, it's time to tweak the mission, we're gonna do something new. No, okay, no, this is Jesus' mission, and we're gonna do everything we can to live into his mission, this mission that he's given our church. So let's talk a little bit about each one of these elements. That first element of being centered on Christ, following after Jesus. When a rabbi would come to you and say, follow me, what he was saying was, be my apprentice. I believe that you can do what I do. I want you to learn from me, not just in a lecture hall. I want you to live with me, be with me. And as you observe my life over time, you will become like me. Jesus called Peter and Andrew, and today he is calling me and you to the same fishing mission. He is saying, come and follow me. Why? Because he wants to be with you. He wants you to be with him. He wants you to, to learn from him, observe him, to become like him to be his apprentice, to be his disciple. Jesus may not ask you to leave your job like he did Andrew and Peter, he might. But I guarantee you what he is gonna tell you is do not allow anything to come between you and him. Nothing between your relationship with him. Continue to keep him at the center of your life. Absolutely to follow him no holds barred, everything in. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And this fall, as an effort to help us recenter ourselves and our relationship with Jesus Christ, you've already seen all the fun things we've got outside, and we're gonna go through this series together called Not a Fan. The whole idea behind this series is that we want to renew our relationship with Christ. Jesus is not interested in people who are just enthusiastic admirers of him. Jesus wants devoted followers. And so during this series, we're gonna challenge one another perhaps to go deeper with Christ to become more fully devoted to him than we ever have before. 
And that series will help us with this first part of being recentered on Christ. And that leads us to the second point, being shaped in community. When Jesus says, I will make you. Um, Jesus has a, a vision for you. You see, he's your maker, and he is the one who knows the plans that he has for you. He wants to make you into something beautiful, and frankly, to remake you back into the image and likeness of God that he created you to be. Now, what does that mean? The image and likeness of God, God is Father, Son, Spirit. Three persons, one God. And if you and I are to be remade into that image, it means to be brought together into community. See, God is loving community unto himself. And you and I, if we're going to resemble and re-be uh, made back into this image, must experience this in community. Jesus, when he said, uh, I will make you, here's what he really said. He said, I will make y'all, okay? That you is a plural you. And so that's where we get this idea of being shaped in community. It's not just you and Jesus alone with your Bible praying in the morning, although I hope you are. It's really important for us to come together as community. And I know for some of you as introverts, it's harder, okay? But still, we are not, it's not good for a man, for a woman to be alone. We were created to be in community and to find uh, our purpose and our calling together as Jesus leads us. You see, it's not some mega church that created the community group, some small group. It was Jesus. Jesus, that was, he didn't just model. Uh, I mean, he didn't just bring them together. That was the model of how we are to be made by Christ together in community. So let's, in fact, let's take a look at this video now. And let's make this a little bit more practical. My name is Chris Dugan, and this is Hope Dugan, and we've been leading a young adults community group for the past two and a half years. One of the cool things that we've seen happen in our group over the past uh, two and a half years now is just seeing people come together in community at a very pivotal time in their lives when there's not a lot of ministries open to young adults and there's not a lot of people when they come home from college they typically jump right into the workforce and um, a lot of their friends have moved away so there's not a really a strong Christian community for them to actually become part of um, and we've seen a lot of our friendships grow and blossom through this time of being in this group um, hang out all the time uh, we go through and if people need prayer they can freely ask for it it's just a, a really cool community to be part of so it's been super cool um, just throughout the course of our entire group, uh, just seeing God's faithfulness and just the form of community. Uh, having people check in on our prayer requests have been really cool. We actually had two people in our group who had kind of a common prayer request and they would set an alarm for the same time every single day. And when that alarm went off, they prayed for the other person and um, just kind of the whole situation that they were going through. 
um, as a way just to support each other and kind of make it a daily habit. We found that being in community, whether it's this group or any other group in the church, really opens up the gospel in a whole new way. The early church was told to be communal. You know, when the apostles were sent out, they were sent out two at a time. We were meant to be in community with each other. And I think even within a church of our size, community groups are a great way to just build those close relationships with one another. It's a great way for us to learn more about our community and the needs of those around us so that we can be ambassadors of the gospel, um, not only to those closest to us, but also prepare to go out into the world and live that great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And just to re-emphasize what he had mentioned, is that in a church our size, you can come to our church for years on a Sunday and not really feel like you know one another because we're a larger church. And so we really, to apply this going forward and not just for this season, really wanna challenge you to become involved in a community group. And already you've seen uh, emails and other opportunities. Uh, afterward, you can walk right out those doors. There's a tent where someone will, will help you to find a community group that fits for you, that uh, is your life stage, that can work uh, for a day you have. Um, in fact, let me show you a shot from the, the website. If you go up to our homepage and you hit that join a group, you're gonna find this page and you scroll down, you're gonna see pictures of people that you know who have said, I would like to welcome you into my group. And you can find a group that fits for you. And I'll tell you this past week, I've, I heard the story of somebody who told me that they asked three different groups at one time or another, can I be a part of this? And they said, well, no. Look, if you get somebody like that, okay, send me their name and I'm gonna have a conversation, okay? <laughs> but seriously, okay, if you can't find a group right there, Melissa Estrich uh, will be glad to help you, along with Libby Peterson, doesn't matter, we'll all help you, we'll help you find a group. Uh, if you've never been a part of a group like this, it can be life-changing for you. We're gonna go through this not a fan study There'll be a book, we'll do sermons on it, but where it's really gonna, the rubber's gonna meet the road here is in that community group. So I wanna challenge you to get in a group. We're gonna do this beginning in September. And so uh, to find other people together to meet and study this together. So there we go. We've got centered on Christ, shaped in community. And then let's talk a little bit about sent into the world. Jesus says, I want to make you fishers of people. In the gospel, Jesus said this in Luke. Um, he said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. In other words, the primary reason that Jesus came is to find sinners like me and you and to draw us back into a relationship with the Father because we have been separated from him. That's why he came. Then he says to us, his church, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. So you and I are now being called to go on Jesus' life-saving fishing mission to people who have not heard, who don't know the good news that God loves them so dearly or they've heard such a distorted version of it that they've not really heard it at all. I love this quote from Rick Warren. He says this, 
There are two things we can do here that we can't do in heaven. One is sin, and the other is share Christ with non-believers. The question is, which one of these two things do you think God wants you to do while you're still here? <laughs> when I was a kid, I have an aunt and uncle who live in Ashland, and that's where I learned to fish. It was there that I learned that you can catch all the bluegill you ever want with a piece of hot dog. It was there I learned to topwater fish with a hula popper for bass. There I learned to tie a knot so the fish don't get away. There I learned to be patient when the fish weren't biting. I'm convinced in all these years that I've been a pastor that most people want to go fishing for God. Most people have never really been instructed well on how to do that. After the Not A Fan series, after these six weeks when we're recentering ourselves on Jesus and we're exercising this peace in community, I hope you'll continue with the people you meet with and we're gonna talk more about how can we effectively fish. We're gonna, we're gonna teach one another how we can better fish. And so I'll just leave that at that, but then I wanna touch on one final thing. Um, when you go fishing, you gotta decide where are we gonna go fish? You gotta decide, am I gonna fish here or there? I think Jesus has made it clear where he wants us to fish. Uh, Acts 1 verse eight says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Our primary place that we are gonna go fish as a church is to our neighbors and our friends. To the people here in the local area, that is our Jerusalem. If you did this geographically, Jerusalem is in the center, Judea and Samaria is further out, the ends of the earth. The second one, our Judea and Samaria, I think our church has always had a unique call to be a part of the city. We are gonna continue to be a church that blesses the city. You've already met my good friend Keon. Keon and I have begun talking about what would it mean for us, along with the Family Ministry Center, to continue to bless the Clark Fulton area. I believe Jesus has a special mission for us down in that area. We're gonna fish there. And then, the ends of the earth. We're gonna continue to support missionaries, as we've always done. Uh, who will go out and share the gospel with people who, who don't know Christ. But I want to challenge us that if you've never been on a short-term mission project, do I need to say more about how a trip similar to something like Papua New Guinea can change your life? It, it really can. And so we're going to talk about fishing in those three places. There's a group of memes that have been around for a little while, and they all come under this one title, which is, uh, you had one job. Uh, here are some of my favorites. Uh, really, <laughs> one, one red brick. You had one job, okay. And then, do you not know your left and right well enough? You had one job. And then this is, this is like, oh my gosh. You've gotta be kidding me. My children, all right, one job, Pop-Tarts, <laughs> really, okay, they're Pop-Tarts, and then finally, uh, here, uh, that's my favorite, all right, look, 
people, the Lord has given us one job, one job. The first thing that he says to his disciples is, I want to make you disciples who go and make other disciples. The last thing that he says to the disciples is, go and make disciples who go and make disciples. One day when I've got to stand before the Lord with the accountability of being able to say, well, what did you do as you were a pastor of Bay Presbyterian Church? He's not going to ask me, hey, did you get and grow the church numerically, although I hope that happens. Okay, I pray and I, I have great confidence that that's what's gonna happen. That's not what he's gonna ask me. He, and he's not gonna ask me, hey, how did you do in taking care of the poor? Although, I do think that Matthew 25 is gonna be a part of this. That's a, an important part of the mission. We're gonna continue to do that. And he's not even gonna ask me how many first-time decisions for Jesus were there. Although, I hope we have hundreds, if not thousands of people who make decisions first time to follow Jesus Christ. You know what he's going to ask? Did you make disciples who made disciples? You have one job. First thing he says to his people, the last thing he says to his people. Evangelism, mercy, justice are all caught up in this disciple-making mission. But we have to be people who fish for people. This is what we have to be about. This is what we need to be all about. That is our one job. And again, we're going to fish like we've never fished before. You're going to see Ida Cahoon out there later. If someone of our wonderful staff, I won't even give away, but you'll see her. In 1912, she was a part of the Methodist church that was down the road. And she decided... By the way, this woman was a fisherwoman. She was awesome. She was president of the school board, and she was a leading figure in the Methodist church, and she was concerned about the kids and the families on the east side of Bay that didn't have a church, didn't hear about the gospel, couldn't worship. So she rode her horse to come down here to, she was sent out, and she brought together some kids to be shaped in community. And now look, you are the result of that. Here is the product in 1950. She would never have thought if Ida Cahoon truly were here today, no way. I just went fishing that day and it wasn't a big deal. Who knows what God can do in your life if you go fishing with him? Joel mentioned it, but I said no. I didn't want to go to summer camp. He called me at six clock on the night the bus was leaving. He thought he'd make one last cast. One last cast. And because of that one last cast, I bit. And I went and I got to know Jesus Christ. I fell in love with him like I never had understood and had before. And look at this now. I never, I would never, no way. Who knows what God can do through you if you are faithful in your going fishing with him. I am absolutely convinced that three of the most amazing words in the English language are these. Let's go fishing. <laughs> okay? You know, the worst day of fishing is so much better than your, your office job, right? Okay? <laughs> but I want you to hear this. Hear those words out of the mouth of Jesus Christ to you this morning. Tom, let's go fishing. 
Barb, let's go fishing. Joe, come on, let's go fishing. You see, because the same way that he said to Andrew and to Peter, he is saying to you and me this morning, the same Jesus Christ who is alive then is alive now and by his Holy Spirit is saying, come fish with me. Let's be God's people who fish for people so that they are sent out to fish for more people. That's who Bay Press has always been and we're gonna double down and we're gonna be even more God's people who fish for people. Let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Let's go fishing with our Lord. Let's pray. Father, I am absolutely humbled and absolutely astonished, really, that the kid who walked into this church when he was a teenager, uh, somehow you've got me up here. And I, I only know how human I am. I only know how sinful I am. And I can't do this without you, without the team, but with you, Jesus, with your spirit, we can be those who fish. And we can be creative. We could chop down bamboo poles. And we can do whatever it takes to fish for people. Lord, help us to creatively and do whatever it takes to take that one last cast, especially well, for the people who haven't heard, Lord. Help us to be that church. And we know that you, you call us to do this, and you, we just know that it's you who brings it to be by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be faithful and then we trust that you are gonna bless the efforts of your church. Here we are, Lord. Please, use us and send us.